0: hello welcome to casting nets a podcast a real podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I am joined by my brother in the ministry, Pastor Will Harley over at St. John in Maribel, and we are talking about the last chapter of my favorite of the pastoral epistles, uh, Titus chapter 3. So it's kind of a sad moment for me because this is my favorite of the the pastoral epistles, but it is also a joyous one because I really like this chapter. And as we're uh, talking about Titus chapter 3. I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the thorn in my side and that some might be pe- that would be me No, that some no. people might think it would be a Will Harley but actually the thorn in my side is my gallbladder which is acting up right now so if you hear some grunts from me that's because of my gallbladder that's not because I'm throwing anything at Will as he's talking uh, but I'm getting it checked on Tuesday so probably I'll have this already been checked by the time you listen to this podcast so anyway here to bring you my favorite book and and uh, a really good chapter from my favorite book but before we do so we should have a disclaimer for today and the disclaimer is this is just two pastors talking today and we are talking about the thing that we love to talk about which is God's word and we hold ourselves to God's word and uh but there are some times when we're just throwing stuff against a wall, when we're just having a conversation. You're you're in on a conversation between two pastors, after all. And sometimes some of the things we might say, you would say, um, "What? where is that in the Bible? Or I'm not sure that's what the Bible says here. We encourage you to reach out to us because we hold ourselves to the Bible and the Lutheran Confessions. We lift high the, the cross of Christ here on this podcast. And so we encourage you to talk to us. Most of the people who have talked to us are people who actually talk to us but there are other things that we can you can do to reach out to us you can reach out to us on facebook you can send us an email at casting that's pod at gmail.com or you can listen on to another uh, another podcast if you want to i mean but this is the best of the, my favorite book in the Pastoral Epistle. So I don't I know was why just, you would want to move on, but you are free to do so.
1: And I was just thinking about this, you know, because we're trying to get as many ways for them to reach out and, and talk to us as possible, and we are getting really close to the fall season. So I'm thinking we should start accepting smoke signals.
0: <laughs> smoke signals. <laughs> if they are accompanied by a campfire that you invite us and to. And a beer. And a beer. We are more than... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this podcast is meant to be a a conversation, not just one way from us to you, but from you to us. So we encourage that conversation going our direction as well. If I were to give a title for Titus chapter 3, my title for t- t- Titus chapter 3 would be, Yeah, but... And it has. Uh, we'll look at that several times as we're looking at Titus chapter 3, because Titus chapter 3 begins with a comment that no one likes to hear, and that is, "...to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready to do any good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle, and display every courtesy towards all people." someone would say yeah but are those in authority are jerks or as as titus talked as paul talked about uh, the people in crete are known to be liars and gluttons what if your leader is a liar and a glutton should you therefore not be subject to them? Should you that rebel? hits way
1: too close to home today, doesn't it? It does. It it hits way too close, and because I struggle, and I'll I'll be honest. I mean, this is the this is a good podcast, and, and it's real life. It's living faith. It's things that we struggle with. And as your as as a pastor, you know, I know that that Romans thirteen says, you know, we should respect the governing authorities. They're they're placed there by the Lord. But when you look at our governing authorities, and it's really hard to respect them um, because of. Their tendency, okay, they lie. They 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 are, they're building themselves up, getting more and more and more, while the rest of us are are seeming as if we're as if we're suffering. And it's really hard to to do what it is that we're encouraged to do here, which is is to again and and be subject, right? It's that idea of of submission, submitting yourself um, to someone else's responsibility, and and it's really a very difficult thing and and I struggle with that today. I mean, I can imagine the struggle back then when they had no choice. I mean, the rulers were like totalitarian. I mean, they were they were these were empires and we say, well, we have a we we have something different cuz we can vote. Well, yeah, I get it, but when we vote them in, we still got 4 years where we have to respect that office and respect that person and we have to respect the rules that they make and I don't like them. I don't I don't like the rules that they make or the things that they say.
0: Right. And you can't do the workaround of saying, Well, really the American people are the authority, so they should be respecting us and they're not and so they it's that, that workaround in your head where you're trying to figure out, Well, this gives me license to speak evil of my governor or my president or my elected leaders uh, because I'm really the one in authority and they're not the ones that are in authority where I like what you're talking about before about they have the responsibility. We have placed them in that responsi- in that role. We have elected them. Uh, that's the role that the, what we have placed them in. So we should uh, put ourselves underneath them and say, uh, this is my elected leader. This is someone that is deserves my obedience um, and I should – Respect and how I speak of him—not to speak evil of him, um, but to uh, respect what the position that he has been placed under. I
1: and and I think there's something that needs to be said here, especially as we 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 kind of enter into this idea. Uh, and I think it it from last week we talked about um, self control, right? And and that idea of Christian self control, especially, is the idea of us controlling our own response and 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 keeping what our sinful nature would rather do always in check and one of the things that I really love uh about about how Paul brings up this idea especially when it's connected with government and and that is he never says we have to love them <laughs> he never says that we have to go out of our way to to in support of them but what is he does say he says he says that we we be peaceable Right. He says that we be gentle and he says that we display courtesy. Um courtesy is is that we afford them what we would afford um other living things. Right? Um not saying that we have to welcome them in and have dinner waiting for them or that we have you know, I'm, we're not talking about that, but but they afford it every courtesy. Um, you know, I, I am it is not it is not my place to chastise them. It is not my place to to not speak of them in gentle terms. It is not my place to to not try to find common ground. My place is to try to find common ground. My place is to be gentle with them and to give them the benefit of the doubt because they may have information I don't have. And it is my obligation to be courteous to them whether they are courteous to me or not or think of me or not because because that is my responsibility. Again, it comes back down to responsibility, right? Their responsibility is to do the leadership thing. My responsibility is how I can control myself in engaging with them um, as I am given opportunity through the spirit.
0: Likewise, yeah. I would agree with 100% of everything you said. It, we do have a we can critique those in authority by uh, talking to them. We have those avenues available to us, uh, talking directly to their offices, and we can, of course, vote them out. Um, but the, the uh, crossing the line is when we are openly showing our disrespect or openly um, rebelling against said authority.
1: Yeah. Now, does that mean in your house with your kids and your wife at around the table?
0: Because
1: if so, then then I'm going to probably be meeting you in your office later for forgiveness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, the self—you know—teaching our children about what it means to be respectful. I think I, we have talked especially last year, we had a lot of family meetings where we talked about our role in government and what to do about with COVID and with uh, uh, with our schools that our kids were enrolled in and, and reiterating to them that this is, this is our opportunity to serve our neighbor and to show love for the God who saved us by respecting those in authority, even if we don't necessarily always agree with them. And to say that openly and honestly in front of our children, I thought was a very... Valuable lesson for them to learn that your their parents aren't just and they're hearing of course they're hearing around them you know from people saying you got to rebel you got to you know stand up for yourself and they're hearing that all over the place but then to hear that from their own parents who are demonstrating self control de- demonstrating yeah I have this desire inside of me but it is not a, a God pleasing one
1: right and I and I think that's where and I like how you phrase that, that that we demonstrate both sides. And I think that's the biggest teaching tool as we share our faith with our children is the idea that that our children are seeing us as as not people who are pristine and oh they only do what is right but it, we are the ones that we we struggle with it too and and yet because of Christ we make the better choice right um, and I and I think this it's an it's an okay thing because. It, Religiously, we would say, spiritually, we would say we cannot choose Jesus. Uh, Jesus works in us through the work of the Word and the Spirit. Uh, he claims us. But once we are in Christ, once we are a part of that body, we do have choices. And, and that's the freedom that we get to live in here. And one of those freedoms is how are we going to approach someone else? How are we going to present ourselves to them in a good God-fearing and respectful way. And I think that's what this is talking about. And and it's okay to, to let our children and our people even know I struggle with it um, because there's still the sinful nature inside of me that says, I know better, and they don't deserve, and I should lash out, and I should get my way. And then there's the new man inside of me that says, no, stop, um, not your role. You know, this is this is where you should go.
0: Yeah, we are fighting against evil, but it's not... It, 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 there should be some red flags if the other political party is the one that's you label that as evil and you say, no you're there it's not evil and, and and in that sense we're living in a world that's filled with evil sure. we're living you know evil is all around us evil is inside of us as well. So I'm just saying, just be careful when you're trying to label the other other party and saying that's evil. They're well, evil, you know.
1: And 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 I, I, we have some time. It's a shorter chapter chapter, so I don't I don't think we're gonna we're we're doing a disservice by discussing some of this where this rabbit hole could go. But but I think one of the things that I I I, I do want to make a point of is that nowhere in Scripture do we have a prescribed government, except in the theocracy of the old testament where god ruled and then the the people threw that away because they wanted what everyone else had other than that there is no prescribed government and and i think there that's intentional because i think every government and and i think we would stand with martin luther on this as well every gov- every government as as scripture says has the purpose of trying to enact justice Every government has the purpose of trying to to bring about peace. Every government has has these wide-sweeping purposes and goals. Now, because of sin in the sinful world, does it always get mucked up? Yes, it does. It always is cloudy. It's always murky and never functions like it should. But that doesn't mean that that wasn't their intent. And 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 I think this is one of those things where we have to step back and we have to say, you know, you can't throw— Things out with you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say this is good, this is bad. You know, we we get into these conversations. This was back during World War II. Um, There was communism versus you know uh, the American way. This is capitalism, and capitalism is awesome. Well, you know what? And I love, dear listener, I love capitalism. I think it's great. Many societies have lived without capitalism just fine for thousands of years. Um, and, and the people thrived. So, so is it the best? Well, I kind of think so, but, but, but is it in the grand scheme of things? I mean, this is a 250 year experiment. (laughs) That's what it's been. Um, but you talk to other nations who have been around for thousands of years and they're like, "Eh, I don't know if that works exactly the way you think it is.
0: Yeah, we're seeing the example, another rabbit hole, the example in Afghanistan is our, all of our struggles over in Afghanistan. It was that just the military complex at, at work where it was just, well, the mil, the contractors made a ton of money and now they're going to make a ton more money because the Afghans, Af, Afghans have all of this uh, nice equipment. So our equipment now has to get better. So the contracts have to go up so that we can defeat the, the stuff we just left. So there's, I'm sorry, that's my own. My no rant but i
1: but I, but I think this is one of those things where where we have to stop being so narrow minded and saying, "My way is better than your way and and this is part of the the only unchanging thing in all of 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 the world is God. The rest of the world changes and and it does and it and unfortunately, the change is
0: it's going down. <laughs> Yeah, or it—it's it, always been in the toilet, and it just—it's just, it's it's just continue, been swirling.
1: It's swirling, yeah. Um, but but I think I think we need to. No, that's a good app description. Um, but but I think we need to come to the realization that that good exists in the world not because not because we are inherently good, but good exists in the world because God is inherently good, and and He injects His goodness into the world that that by and large would have been flushed on the toilet long time ago we are no better than the people of Noah's day we are no better than the people of Israel we are no better than 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 the nations of of Babylon or Assyria Um, we are no better than the Taliban because let's face it I know what the Taliban are doing and and this brings it back maybe home to now we look at them and say that's horrible um we're we're taking babies and we're renaming them fetuses so that we don't feel guilty of killing a person don't get on your high horse and say, well, we're better. We're not.
0: We're killing babies. Yeah. We're, we're trafficking women.
1: We're trafficking women. Um, so so we each carry our own guilt. We each carry our own original sin. We each carry our own sinful nature. Um, and the fact that the world doesn't implode upon us is a testament to God's goodness and his patience to bring us to faith. So... And, and I and I think Paul brings this up because yeah, he, he, does. He, he juxtaposes um, the natural reaction of our original sin with the new creation that now re- resides within us and says, okay, live with the new creation, the new man, as opposed to what you were. So so let's guide us through that.
0: Sure. Uh, it falls under my theme of, yeah, but uh, if, if you're in verses uh, 1 and 2 where you're struggling with uh, a government that's uh, corrupt and sinful and all that stuff— Paul says, yeah, but you that's who you were once at one time, too. You were foolish and disobedient and deceived and enslaved by many kinds of evil desires and pleasures. I'm reading from verse 3, living in malice and jealousy, being hated and hating one another. So, the yeah, but there's that. And what you were saying before, we've, we have this darkness inside of us. But God did this wonderful thing. Uh, he has shown mercy uh, to us by sending his son, Jesus, uh, into this world. The only good thing that's ever come into this world, truly good thing, is Jesus. And
1: and I like how the butt is is injected because um we live in a society where you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you do this, you do that, you make it better. And 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 really we see no, the world is by nature, and that's why we call it original sin. We call it by nature the world is deceiving, it is disobedient, it is it is evil desires, it is following its own pleasures, all those things. And I was that way too. Um, even as a child, when I was first conceived, it was "Mama, feed me." I don't care if you're tired; it, that doesn't matter. It's all about me, right? Change me. I don't want to wait for you. Um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so you see the original sin in this. You see, you see how how it permeates everything. And then God injects into the world the the true light and the goodness. Uh, of his son. He injects into this world, and he says, here's my promise to you, and here's what I've done for you. Here's, here's how I've fixed the problem with my son and his blood. And he highlights it with these special words, um, he saved us. I didn't save myself. He says, uh, not by righteous works that we did ourselves. He's very specific. Hey, guess what? You didn't do it. You didn't do enough good things to outweigh the scale of bad things. Um, you know, this is—I uh, I love Egyptian. <laughs> Egyptian culture is kind of interesting. Um, but in Egyptian culture, you have Anubis, and I always love that name. I always wanted side comment. Just
0: rolls off the
1: tongue. It does. But I've always wanted a really like—I wanted a Staffordshire Terrier. Those are like those those dogs that are built like tanks. They're really big, um, uh, but they're they're squat and they look vicious. They have short. Cropped ears, big big heads, and I wanted one that was all black, and I wanted to name it Anubis, because Anubis is the jackal god, uh, the dog god of of Egyptian culture. But he stands, long story short, he stands there at the the entrance to the underworld, and he judges the people, and he places a feather on the scales, and if your if your life and the deeds that you have done weigh less than a feather, you get to go into heaven that's how he so it's kind of picturesque it's all fake and false i get it but that's how we feel our life is right if i do enough good i outweigh the bad and and i always loved you know i always wondered in egyptian mythology how many people actually made it <laughs> that your goodness was 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 enough to weigh less than a feather
0: right so your your goodness or your evilness your your
1: evilness had you had to do, had to do more good because oh. Because he had to, weigh, he had to be way less than a feather. So,
0: so the good had to be less than a fe- feather, or no, the no, bad. No,
1: no, the the bad had to be less than a feather. Okay. So, it means you had to be good because because if you have any bad, it weighs more than a feather.
0: Okay, got it. I got it. All right, now <laughs> so, I have
1: less. so, I'm wondering how many people were that good that they weighed less than a feather. Um,
0: well, the, yeah, they died <laughs> and they found out that there's no dog there. <laughs> so no
1: dog. All there is is Jesus, <laughs> yeah. and he said. Why should I let you in? And they said because my goodness overwhelmed my badness. And he said no. no. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> and then and then this Jewish guy showed up and and he died and 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 Jesus said, "Why should I let you in?" And he said, "Because the promise of the Messiah took away my sins." And he said,
0: ding ding ding
1: ding. <laughs> And then this other guy from the New Testament showed up.
0: This Greek guy. This
1: Greek guy. And he said, he said, why should I let you in? And he says, because Jesus died for my sin. And he said, ding, ding, ding. Okay. And everyone was like, wait a second, that's not fair. <laughs> but but this is exactly what we see pictured here in, in the end of Titus, right? Is the difference is not anything resting on you. The difference is resting in Jesus. And Jesus, because of what he has done, has produced in you a result and the result is, you are not what you were, and therefore your the reaction to the world is not the same as it was. And and that is an important feature that we need to highlight, is that that as a believer, the tendencies to do what our sinful nature want is still there.
0: Yeah. That's not what we were, but it's still hanging around. Right.
1: And I can be better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can be better because God has enabled it in me.
0: Right. And so how do we get this in the first place is the really cool Bible passage in chapter 3 of verse 5 where he talks about baptism, and I'll just read it because I like it so much. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as you're looking at those verses, I think a tendency for us or or maybe some Christians out there is to see a progression or to see a, uh, going from one to the other, like washing of rebirth is one thing. And then later you get to be renewed by the Holy spirit. And so when a Lutheran comes up and says to such an individual, uh, reformed in, in background, and a Lutheran says, Hey, baptism saves you. They would say uh, uh no baptism, just water. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't save you. And for you, dear listener, I want you to, um, Learn a, a a term that's used in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, and the term is called chiasm and chiasm is a it's a poetry uh it's a cough <laughs> 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 it, It's is a poetry term like the hebrews uh, how they would use uh poetry in the Old Testament wouldn't necessarily be a things where words rhyme but concepts and words are paired together in a certain way word order is very important. Uh, in the Old Testament, and and where words fall, um, and where concepts fall, is what joins something together. So, as you're looking at a uh, um, poetry in the Old Testament, that's why when you're reading the Psalms, and you say, uh, "The psalmist just said that," or you know, he'll say he'll say something, and then he'll say it. But using like one or two different words or a different concept, but he's actually saying or a different picture, but that's the same concept. And you say, why is the psalmist saying the same thing but using different pictures? And you say that's chiasm. That's the the picture of that's how they joined their thoughts together. That's how they made poetry in the Old Testament is with these chiasm. And the apostle Paul is using a chiasm here
1: because he is a student, and I think we need to bring that up. He is a student of Hebrew literature and the Hebrew
0: Scriptures. Yeah, and and I don't know why he's doing that with uh, this. I guess it would be inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's writing to a Greek, so ne- not necessarily uh, uh, for Titus's sake, but for our sake, uh, definitely. This is a, a layer of meaning that we see. And the, the terms that he's joining together is the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Those words in the Greek are paired in such a way that they are linked because of the word order in the Greek, and you can't really translate the, the word order in a way that's satisfactory, that also communicates to us the meaning. So that's why when it says, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, we can, as Lutherans, we say this is all the same thing. The washing of rebirth, renewal of the Holy Spirit is all in reference to the same event, baptism. Uh, this thing is that saves us is through this washing and renewal by the Holy Spirit uh, together. So
1: in the, word, in, the, in the way that the chiasm would work... So when we're calling this a chiasm, the way that the chiasm would work, if we were going to express this in, express the Hebrew poetry or Hebrew thought that is re- expressed here, it would be translated, uh, or it could be, it could be rearranged to say, washing by the Holy Spirit, the renewal of rebirth. So that would, ha- that would be how the chiasm would work. The chiasm would work would be washing by the Holy Spirit because you're crossing over to the Holy Spirit, so washing by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the one doing the washing, and it is producing it's producing the renewal by a rebirth so that's 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 how that chiasm would work and how that would link together and then it then he frames it all in a in a really picturesque way as he then says, and it all comes through Jesus,
0: yeah. So, dear listener, if if your brain has turned to mush and if we've if we've uh, uh, hit another level where you're not quite following what we're saying, just come away with the idea that uh, baptism, rebirth, renewal, Holy Spirit—all the same thing. Uh, Paul is putting all of this together. Don't don't look at it as two events. Don't look at it as compartmentalized and two different things. This is all the same thing, and that's why this Bible passage is one of our major Bible passages for baptism, that baptism actually does something. It's not something we do for God, but what, something that God does to us. The Holy Spirit washes our sins away. He gives us birth where there was none. We were at one time living, um, uh, as he says in verse 3, the the, the whole list of foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by many evil desires and pleasures. That's what we were, but then God did something. Yeah, we were sinful. Yeah, we were destined for hell, but the Holy Spirit saved us by... A baptism which links us to Jesus.
1: Well, and I and I think I would even go a step further. I mean, just in the sense of the idea of that rebirth, that renewal. Um, you know, think of it in terms of a mold, right? Um, in the very beginning, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, uh, God had had this perfect mold, right? Um, and then the mold cracked, and from Adam and Eve on, that mold kept reproducing cracked molds. <laughs> and and what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the the Creator, the one who the 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 one who um, by His Word formed all things, must now reform, and He chooses to use water to do it. Um, that's the that's an element, so He connects to our lives, and He says, through this element, I'm going to reform this mold, and He does it through His His Son, as we're all linked to Him for that. Um, and it's a beautiful statement of, as to what what it does now it doesn't mean that dirt and debris still isn't in the mold it is that's the sinful nature but the mold has been reformed right um and it is a mold in in the mold of christ um and and that's given to us your favorite verse and and i can't believe i'm saying this because i love baptism and and i would definitely say this is this is right up there but maybe maybe i would say my favorite verse is two verses <laughs> it's this verse but then it's also verse seven. Um, because I think, I think you, 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 get, you get the whole totality of the story uh, in the point in verse 7, which is so that, this is the result, so that, having been justified by grace. I, I just got to stop there and say, okay, so what is justified? De- it's a declaration. It, it doesn't mean that you've changed. It doesn't mean that you are not who you were. It means someone has declared over you that you are no longer what you were. Um, so so by declaration, by grace, so this is undeserved love. That's what grace is, the 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 definition of grace. You've been Unmerited declared. favor of God. Yeah. Unmerited favor of God. Um, you have been declared not guilty of what you were before. And then he says, and then he goes on, he says, So justified by grace, we might become heirs in keeping with the hope of eternal life. So so you have these results. So the Spirit does his work through baptism. He renews us. He 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 we are rebirthed. We are saved. This all comes through Jesus Christ to us, this great mystery and wonder for the reason that we are now declared not what we were, but now we are declared something else, so that we may live out our lives as heirs with this inheritance that is that is great and that's glorious. So so I can be courteous to the government because in the long run um if i don't get social security when i retire i have heaven um and and i have i have a lord who will always provide because i'm his heir right um if 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 things don't go my way i have a lord who has never let me down right um who has preserved the church throughout all time and eternity will will we'll, we'll continue to preserve his church
0: i have nothing to fear i have nothing to fear I can. I. I don't have to worry about uh, how I conduct myself in the world is somehow uh, demonstrating my cowardice. Uh, how I conduct myself is because of what Jesus has done for me, not because I'm scared of what could happen to me.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And with with a section like verses five to seven, why would you want to talk about anything else? But, um,
1: because <laughs> Paul does. Um, no, Paul, no. Uh,
0: you interrupted. <laughs> um. But I'm going with verses 9 and 10, where Paul says, look at all this other stuff. These, the, the Jewish uh, guys are coming around. They're talking about controversies, genealogies, rivalries, quarrels about uh, God's law. And and he just tells Titus, you've got the good stuff. Don't get yourself into these uh pointless arguments and I think how encouraging that would have been for Titus because we have mentioned before he was Greek so he doesn't have the Jewish background so he perhaps could have been intimidated by all of these false teachers who are coming in and saying oh Titus 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 you don't know you don't know the Old Testament like we do and then they bring their false doctrine about whatever it is about some sort of controversy or or some sort of uh, uh, genealogy or some I think I I I was think maybe I'm reading into this but just the idea of people who say well I've discovered this code in the Bible that nobody else has discovered you know by my my seminar and by my book I'll tell you about the the secret code that unlocks uh, some wonderful spiritual blessing or whatever
1: and I have a purpose that will drive your life
0: <laughs> Paul Paul says to Titus You've got the good stuff. He saved us uh, through the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He saved you. He has justified you. He has made you into something that you were not uh, because of Jesus and by Jesus. Talk about that. Don't talk about this code business or the quarrels about the law or the quarrels about the Old Testament law and all of that. Just say... If this is not talking about Jesus, if this isn't being led, if this isn't leading you to Jesus as the law should, should always be leading you to Jesus, not away from him. If this is leading you away from Jesus, talk about the good stuff um, and not the, the minor details.
1: Well, and I would I would look at this, and I, I just look at the, the beginning of verse 8, um, and pretty much the middle of it is is a defense, in my opinion, it is a defense of word and sacrament ministry. Um Ministry that has sustained the church since the fall has been word and sacrament ministry. Jesus uh, uh, preaching the Messiah, um, preaching God's work on our behalf for the redemption of people, um, word and sacrament ministry. How has he done it? How does he give these gifts um, I mean the Old Testament, church, and we're going to be going later on into Leviticus. So I don't want to dive into that too, too bad. But, but the the opportunity for all of those things is is a part of that. Um, and so having those things and saying to them, um, you know, Word and Sacrament Ministry is worth it. Word and Sacrament Ministry is is what needs to be. Word and Sacrament Ministry is 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 the point and purpose that we don't get um, down in all of these little rabbit holes of being foolish or having controversies or genealogies or rivalries or, or saying this person is over that person or, or however we, we want to pr- express this. The idea is, um, that we have something better. And that is taking our, our focus off of ourself and placing our focus on, like you said, Jesus. Um, so the ultimate focus is on Jesus. Um, Listen a little story. I know when I was, I was serving in Kenosha, I had one lady who had been visiting our church for some months while I was there. And finally, afterwards, she said, you know, um, I've been here for a couple of services. And when are we going to move beyond talking about this Jesus person? So she even recognized that Jesus is the ultimate, right? And um, well, she recognized that we talk about Jesus. She didn't recognize that Jesus was the ultimate. She's like, can we move beyond that and talk about something more pressing? Uh, the reality is there's nothing more pressing than talking about Jesus, so, and, and while I was talking, if you heard in the background, that was the phone because somebody was trying to get a hold of me at the church, and I didn't want to talk with them because they're more important.
0: <laughs> was that my voice on the announcement? Have you not changed it?
1: No, it's been changed. Cause oh, it's
0: been changed. Okay, good. It should be.
1: But we sound so similar.
0: For, I guess, not even close. I'm not even close. I don't know why. It, I guess I do have a hearing impediment, so maybe I was uh, just hearing things as well. Um, but it might be hard to let go when you've got uh, – Uh, Jewish leaders who are uh, talking about their genealogies and rivalries and quarrels about the law—quarrels about the law—might be hard to let them go. And Paul gives them some encouragement to say, "Reject a divisive person." You know, give them warnings, but then um, let them go.
1: So, so I want to talk to you a a little bit about that because that's a really good comment. Um, How hard it is to let things go. Um, and And that maybe let 's talk about how that fits into the life of the church um and and how that can become maybe an an impediment to the gospel proclaimed in the church
0: i i 'll just speak from experience when serving in small congregations whenever somebody uh, leaves a church and it 's because and it 's usually some sort of conversation with the pastor about whatever something that the pastor has said. That I really can hurt a congregation that where it it lingers for a long period of time, and how I I know this happened earlier in my ministry where a member uh, didn't like what I had to say and I had backed it up with God's word and finally I said if you don't believe me talk to some another pastor and and he'll he'll explain this this teaching it was a teaching of Mary for example um, whether Joseph and Mary were uh, had children or not and was um. Anyway, so he left. But then, of course, that really wasn't the real reason why he left. He had all his other. Th- he was just waiting for the one thing that he could really. Uh, he felt that he was justified, and all the other reasons why he left that he uh, shared with me in an email were um, things that he had been boiling up for some time. So he was just looking for the the one the righteous cause uh, to leave the church for. But I really benefited from the members around me because I thought they would all just uh, flail me because I, I wasn't able to to bring this around, that I couldn't get beyond or I couldn't uh, convince him when he was mired in... I, I would look at it in, in Titus's words a foolish controversy. Um, but the members there just said, okay, Pastor, you said your piece. You explained it to us. You shared with us what you said. Uh, he left anyway. We kind of know... Him as a personality. Let's move on, and how hard that was for me as a young pastor to move on because it's a soul, after all, right? right. As a soul that is no longer hearing the clear word of God, and for Paul to give that encouragement to Titus. Uh, sometimes you do just have to let things go,
1: right? And I, and I think that's a part of uh, not just for the not just for Titus, but maybe for the congregation where where it's okay to let things go. Is if it's if it's not. If it's not something vital to the proclamation of the gospel, it's okay to let it go. Even if it's not my preference, um, it's okay to grow beyond it. Um, and and that's hard. It's hard. It, I mean, we get attached to buildings. We get attached to customs. We get attached to, um, we get attached to people. We get attached to certain functions, right, certain things uh, that we normally have always done, and so we always do it. Um, and sometimes we have to take a step back and say, Those are good. Those are nice. We maybe enjoy or we don't enjoy, whatever. But if it's not directly connected to the proclamation of the gospel and saying that it's a necessity uh, for the proclamation of the gospel and administer of the sacraments, then it falls into the category of it's okay to change. And And not saying it has to, not saying it has to go away, not saying it doesn't go away. I'm just saying... It's not something that's so vitally important that we have to hang on it.
0: I, yeah, I think uh, we are all I we can all be a Pharisee. we can all see well if we change this little thing that means we're going to change some other bigger thing where there's that fear that or that that uh, the um, the tendency to build a hedge around the Word of God and say, well we have to preserve this tradition or preserve this custom because we're trying to protect the Word of God and when you take that custom away, um maybe it's the hymnal you would say we're going to use a different hymnal you say well wait a minute this is the hymnal that has sustained us for uh 30 years or something like that is it 30 years 30 94 94 you do the math dear listener um that we're not trained for math right um anyway <laughs> since 94 and we say this is the thing that has sustained us as a church until since 1994 or 1941 or 1901 uh, this is a thing that has sustained us. Now we, we can't give this up and to remind ourselves, let's not get embriored in foolish controversies. If if it isn't about Christ and what he has done for us and the, and the doctrine that we have received, uh, we have to le- be able to let it go. And um, when it comes to people who sometimes are, Trying to get to bring us down to those foolish doctrines, or or the quarrels about what the, the word of God says, which isn't no. I shouldn't say quarrels about the law, but quarrels about what we should do. Isn't that the quarrels of the law? Would be like, hey, we're not doing this. We should have this rule or that rule, or or you need to tell them to do this. that policy. You yeah. need to tell them to do this policy if, if this is what we're fi- focused on rather than or we're fighting about rather than on um, Jesus. And trying to bring Jesus to as many people and trying to to show his love through the the way that we act toward one another and how we serve one another
1: yeah it's i I think it's as beautiful how he mentions um and maybe i'm he just he says quarrels about the law because these are useless and fruitless um and and I think about that, and I'm like, you know, you would think over time mankind would learn that that no matter how many laws you enact it never changes behavior <laughs> <laughs> i mean really people don't change they may cover it up they may find ways to get around it they may they may they may do it for a time until they get they get tired of it and then they'll break it and they don't care and, it, and the same thing happens within the church the the more laws you place the more and we can call them policy whatever the more laws you place in someone's way does not change their behavior The the, the change of behavior comes from what he said earlier, right? It comes by the spirit. It comes by the washing of rebirth. It comes by gathering around the word and hearing the gospel. Um, The gospel produces a response that is God-pleasing. The law produces nothing but anxiety, anxiousness, and rebellion because it shows us that I am— Or self-righteousness. Or self-righteousness. Because what does it do? It shows me as those things, that's what the law is. It, it, it we would say the law is the mirror, right? It shows me who I am. Um and I didn't know that I was such a horrible sinner until the law pointed it out. <laughs> and and that happens with, within life in general. And and the church is supposed to be the bastion of the gospel, right? Because you can go and I and 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 I'm going to I know we need to move on and we want to talk about some individuals that that the letter was directed to, but I I think it it needs to be said that that our our dear listeners our our people that come to church they know what the law is M- maybe they don't know its specific nature and i get it and i understand that but they know what the law is right because the law is everywhere the law is everywhere to some extent it's everywhere the the society is built on laws the government built on laws our homes are built on laws um, the way we drive, built on laws, the way we conduct ourselves, built on our own internal law. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Um, in many ways, I think we're we're in some cases even a little bit of OCD because I I built uh, I have these these certain things I have to do every morning, the rituals, right I have to do every morning that's that's the law. We all have that and when I don't do those things or have those things in my life, then I feel empty and I feel as if I've failed and I feel, uh, i didn't do them perfectly, and then I feel bad about myself that 's the law we all know the law in in the in the church we are supposed to see the one who has fulfilled all things for us and and we are supposed to be freed from the to do list of ourselves and and placed into the done of christ and and this is the only place in all of the world you're going to hear that is in the church and 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 that I think needs to be said not because we don't preach the law in the church to condemn we do. Because it's our job through the Spirit to say, we failed. Look at how many times, even the ones you made for yourself, you failed it. I mean, you failed the very ones you made for yourself, not just the ones that God gave you, but the ones you built for yourself, you failed. But now here's Christ, right? And and here's what he has done.
0: If the law points us to Christ, it does its job. Otherwise, it's not doing its job.
1: Right. But uh, again, you can go anywhere in the world and, and hear the law. You can't go anywhere in the world and hear forgiveness. You can come to the church and hear forgiveness. So
0: so as we are closing up, we've got some people that uh, we mentioned. Uh, some of these people we know I'll, some information about some we don't, which'll be I guess they're, they're just giving us a clue So when we get to heaven we have a list of people to go and talk to and say, hey, why were you in the Bible and tell us your story. One of those examples is Artemis uh, in verse 12. We have absolutely no information about who Artemis is.
1: Interestingly enough, though, his name is a take off of a Greek god um, who was a messenger. Uh, he uh, Artemis was the, the, the Greek god um, with the uh, shoes <laughs> that had wings.
0: I thought that was Mercury. Oh, that's the Roman name. That's Mercury. the Roman
1: name of it. But Artemis is the, the Greek name of it. So, so um, you know... I know there. This is just conjecture, but some people have said that maybe he was a messenger. That that that, uh, and and that's just a Wikipedia page that had no idea what they're talking about. Um, but it's kind of a fun fun thing just to say, you know, because uh, when I send Artemis, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do we know about this guy? Uh, he's well, I, Tradition says he's uh, the Bishop of Lystra. I guess Wikipedia says that, but we have no idea. We really have no idea about this Artemis guy. So when you get to heaven, go find Artemis and say... And see hey. if he
1: has the winged shoes.
0: <laughs> Does he have Nikes? <laughs> In the new heaven and the new earth, will he have Nikes? Um, Tych- Tychicus is someone we know more about. Uh, in the Bible than just uh, his name. He's mentioned in Acts. He's mentioned in Ephesians. He is uh, from Ephesus. He seems to be someone who spends a lot of time with uh, Paul, uh, someone who encourages Paul when he's in his uh, in prison and when he's out of prison. So he just seems to be a dependable person um, that Paul talks about. Uh, another man that we know nothing about is Zenas the Lawyer. So what does Zenus mean in Greek? And that's
1: not true. We know something about him.
0: You know something about Zenus the lawyer? He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Snarky, snarky. Um, uh, Zenus the lawyer. We know nothing about. So he is another guy. Look, when you get to heaven, go find Zenus. So I guess this might be evidence that there are lawyers in heaven because Zenus will be there.
1: Well, yes. I mean, one or two slipped through the cracks. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm in the. I'm trying to be funny. He was pro life. He was a pro life lawyer. (laughs) Pro life lawyer. (laughs) Christian lawyer. I don't know what you're trying to say about lawyers. If. (laughs) A <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm <laughs> not going to say anything. I, I think what we have here, though, and 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 I know we have we have one more name that we want to hit, but but I think I think the point is saying is that even in obscurity, right, um, that you have people who are obscure and we know nothing about them other than the fact that by the Holy Spirit, Paul was led to mention them because of their faithfulness, and and you have them there. Um, so you have this man, Artemis, you have this man, Zenus, who is, who, we know, nothing about them. We know nothing about what they did, or uh, we have no other references to, to things that they were doing within the church, but we know they were trusted to be faithful. And that is enough, right? Um, they were, they were trusted as faithful people that, that were doing ministry.
0: Um, Ty- Tychicus is, uh, Picked up by Paul in Ephesus, and Apollos is the other guy that was also picked up in Ephesus as well. Apollos we know more about because of uh, the back of the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila.
1: Yes, it uh, wasn't he one that watered.
0: Uh, yeah, Apollos would be the one that would know only the baptism of John. Okay, and then yep. he was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
1: Okay. So uh so legitimate baptism. So he knew all about baptism.
0: Yep. Um and he was he was um I also he was the guy that uh, the Corinthians thought was greater than Paul because they the the Corinthians were um compartmentalized their allegiances and saying, Well, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. So he must have been uh he, um That's what I was mentioning. He respect. was one that
1: watered Paul planted, but Apollos you know, watered, yeah. Yeah.
0: He's one of the, he's on the short list of perhaps the author of the book of of Hebrews. So Hebrews is uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is unnamed, and so there's uh, some candidates. Apollos is one of those candidates because Apollos seems to know his Old Testament very very well. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla catch him up on Jesus and and that um, but I Apollos. still
1: like Paul being the writer of Hebrews.
0: You like Paul? I like Barnabas. Barnabas is my favorite cuz Bar- cuz he is that great encourager. Uh, it's true. And the encourager of the, uh, of the Christian church, he's the one that conv- uh, that encouraged them, the church in Antioch, to accept Paul. Um, and in his letter, is very much a, a a word of encouragement. But that being said, my opinion.
1: Well, but Abraham's and and author. and I I I respect that opinion greatly. I guess I don't know enough about Barnabas to know if he has the the Old Testament background. I mean, because really, really, Hebrews is a commentary on Leviticus. Uh, in many stretches of the imagination, and so I, I, I don't know if Barnabas, I, and he might, I don't know, I don't know if Barnabas had the had that background in Levitical law and Levitical um, uh, ceremonial law to really make that connection. That's why I kind of like Paul as this making that connection because we, you know, he was the Sadducee of Sadducees, uh, 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 or the Pharisee of Pharisees. of Pharisees. Sorry, Pharisee of Pharisees. So I mean, he knew ceremonial law very, very well. Um, and, and maybe Apollos did too. I don't know. I don't know enough about him to to know where his background lies. Um, but
0: anyway, so um, and I'll admit it's my own personal bias because I I like the idea of the the gift of encouragement. I feel like that's something that I have been given. And uh, Barnabas is somebody who is an encourager. is known for his encouragement and his letter, I, especially the last part of the Book of Hebrews when he talks about the heroes of faith. And he says, let's throw off everything that hinders and pursue the race, the the encouragement that he writes. And then at the very last chapter, we talked about his letter of encouragement. Those are my reasons for, for Barnabas. But I do admit my own personal bias and I do admit that it's my own personal opinion that it is not.
1: Well, and, and you're welcome to it because the scriptures don't tell us.
0: Yeah, they don't tell us.
1: And so, you know, when the scriptures, when the scriptures are intentionally silent, um, the Lord allows us to wrestle with those. And, uh, um, it's one of those things where, where my mother would say, uh, when you get to heaven, you can ask, but when you get to heaven, you won't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I had not heard that. I I always view it in terms of, all, I, I'm giving myself a list, a to-do list. I like to-do lists here on earth uh, to make sure I get things done and accomplishment uh, accomplished. My wife and I do to-do lists together. We're actually just starting uh, an online way of trying to do a to-do list so that we know what's being done around the house and have that better organized. I like to do lists, so I'm I guess I'm just giving myself to-do list when I get to heaven so they'll have something to do um while I'm there.
1: I think God has one for you.
0: A to-do list? A
1: to-do list. I think it includes singing and it includes working in in whatever it is that that the the joy of a new creation of earth will have. I think you'll have more than enough, enough things to, to engage. Do. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Be but, fruitful, multiple. Oh no, that was that was in the creation. So, no, not be fruitful, multiply, but just go and have fun.
0: <laughs> it is. It is my version of. There's so much to look forward to. Absolutely. When we get to heaven, there's so much to look forward to. I think a lot of times Christians say, "Well, the singing stuff is kind of uh, is not my thing. I don't like to sing." Even though I personally, uh, Pastor Ruat Light, I love to sing. I know some people who are. Uh, saying, I just have a hard time with uh, singing all the time. Just to let them know that hey, there will be things for you to do in heaven, and there will be uh, a, a way that you can praise the Lord and also spend your time while you're there. So uh, go ahead. Well, I I
1: just I I mean we have a little bit of time, so I just want to we're coming to the end of the letter, and and Paul sums it up by saying um, in verse fourteen, let our people also learn to be bu- to busy themselves. With good works, when urgent needs arise, so that they are not unfruitful. Um, does that is that a commentary on saying that as long as there's no urgent need, that the people just coming to worship is fine, or is this more of the commentary on saying no, let let all people be engaged in good things, so that they are not unfruitful. You know, so a more open ended. You know, almost everything is an urgent need because we live in a sinful world, as opposed to only when the church is in need, then engage.
0: I don't know what you're saying. Um,
1: well, I mean, he's giving the encouragement: let them be busy, right, and
0: do with good, works. good
1: works. When, but he gives a he gives that caveat when urgent needs arise. So does that leave open the door of, well, I don't perceive this as an urgent need, therefore I don't have to engage? Or is, or is he really, or is it saying, no, there's a lot of urgent needs all the time, so we should always be fruitful? Is that, and, and maybe it's a really ill-formed question. But it's, it's that idea of, of, of is, is this an encouragement of, of engage when you need to engage, or is it always engage? and that, and that's kind of where i'm i'm i, I cuz i struggled with that ending.
0: Oh, i is it is it just is it a fill our theme of what should you be spending your time with? Just busyness isn't necessarily if you're busy doesn't mean that you're being fruitful. It always take a a second look at what the things that you're doing and make sure that these are actually in line with the new person that, that God has created in you or uh it does this mean something else?
1: Exactly. That's that's kind of where I'm at, um, and I don't I don't know if I'm a hundred percent on where it
0: is. And and I'll confess, I didn't really I skipped over that verse. Um, have ignoring not spend, the Greek. I ignored the. I didn't even ignore. <laughs> <laughs> I ignored the English. I just said, "Hey, that's a nice way to close it, close things off to make sure that what we're busy with is things that actually matter, because that kind of theme fills the theme of what he talks about uh, talk about what really matters. What you're busy with." Uh, deal with the busy things that really matter, and not just the um, things of life.
1: And I and I'm okay with that. I really am. I, I am I'm okay with with settling on living your faith, producing producing what is good, so that it is seen. And 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 I, but I really think that that maybe something can be said that it is always urgent. Right? There's a, there's an urgency in life. Um, that they don't just arise you know once every every couple of years, but there's always an urgency that that there's someone out there who has not heard. There's always an urgency that the church always needs to be maintained on this side of heaven. There's an urgency that that another brother and sister are in need and could use your help. Your word of encouragement, like you had said that that's one of your gifts or or whatever the case may be, there's always that need, and so there's always a time to engage. There's always
0: something to do in the work of in the work of God which is what you were saying before you can't retire from it.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: I did not give my favorite verse. All uh, right. For chapter 3 your favorite verse was 5 to 7 and I have to say that would be my favorite verse as well. I, if you could tell from the tone of my voice as I was talking about it, uh this is a very clear passage on baptism and what God has done for us and all the nice things. So our theme for today, as we looked at the podcast of chapter three, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we're sinners, but we're saved through Jesus. Yeah, we have all the, these uh, difficulties in life, but let's let's keep it about Jesus. Yeah, we've got all these interesting people in, in the Bible, but let's also keep it about Jesus as well, that he is the one who is, uh, that what we should be talking about and living for.
1: And let's finish it the way that Paul does. Grace Grace. be with you all.
0: Amen. Amen. (laughs)